This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others, and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Erica, and I'm excited today to speak with Amanda Waldron. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm really excited to talk with you. Um, I discovered you while doing a little research online. I was doing hashtag deconstruction and kind of looking through that hashtag. And I don't necessarily remember why I was doing that, <laughs> but either way... <laughs> I came across your profile and I was totally intrigued by it. And and basically, I believe what your profile says is that you are a deconstruction coach. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Okay. So tell us a little bit. Of, well, first, just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you live, and some just basic information. And then you can go into what exactly you do. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I am Amanda Waldron. I am in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, my day job is a clinical social worker. So I own my own private practice here and do that um, for income. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, some other fun things about me is that I do at the start of the pandemic started doing kitten foster care, which has been really wow. fun and delightful. Um and then, yeah, love reading, love getting out in the fall Michigan weather. Although right now it's, we're still in this, like, we're still in really warm weather here. So it's like. It's, I'm in Indiana and it's pretty warm. Like I'm surprised. Yeah. Like, I want to pull out all my fall stuff, but it's still too warm for that. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. So uh, you are a, a therapist. Um, yeah. And so how long ago did you start? sort of doing this side hustle of being a deconstruction coach? And also, what is a deconstruction coach? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I always give the caveat that I'm a deconstruction and reconstruction coach. Oh, I like that. I think that, um, yeah, that's kind of why I was drawn to you, I, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I have kind of been doing that work a little bit just naturally with some clients, with some family members. Um, and then at the beginning of the year, I was trying to kind of be creative or look toward the future of, um, I really love doing therapy and I don't see myself not doing that, um, as my career, but I think at some point my energy needs to be a little bit diversified. And so looking at, okay, what could I offer from maybe a group standpoint? What am I interested in? What is coming naturally up for me right now? And just, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the word deconstruction, um, has been coming up more and more in the last couple of years. And as I've seen my peers leave the church, um, people that I've gone to college with, the friends, um, thinking, okay, is there any way that I could be <laughs> a help in people that are having these doubts and questions um, and still have a hope to remain within um, the big C church? Yeah, yeah. So um, what's your faith background um, yeah, I grew up um, sixth generation in a country church in the middle of Michigan, um, non-denominational, a church of Christ. Um, and then when I came to Grand Rapids, I came here for school, kind of bopped around a couple places, um, was at 
um, Mars Hill, Rob Bell's church uh, for a couple years. And then for the last t- uh, 12 years, I've been at a Wesleyan church. Okay. I also go to a Wesleyan church. Yeah. Um, so, so you're saying that like sort of in your private practice, some of these issues of like faith, I guess, trauma and things like that started to come up with clients. Yeah. Yeah. Or the discussions that friends or peers and I were having, um, or just the climate of what was going on, like what's been going on online for the last five years too. So noticing just this trend of, yeah, disillusionment, disappointment, grief, abuse in some cases. Um, yeah. And, and wondering if I could use my own background because I have a, like part of my experience is, is deconstruction as well. Um, as well as some of my like psychoeducation skills or educating how do we how do we hold tension with two different ideas um, and wondered if I could combine those to help others kind of going through the same experience. Yeah. So when I was looking through that hashtag and I found you, I found a couple others like with sort of somewhat similar profiles, but I really was drawn to yours because I was like, okay, this is the girl that I want to talk to because a lot of the people were not doing the reconstruction side of it. They were just deconstruction and like move along to your highest spiritual self or whatever, Um, which is not my desire for people. (laughs) Um, You know, I, I'm a Christian and I, I want people to reconstruct Um, and, and deconstruction. I mean, let's talk about that real quick for a second. Mm -hmm. It's such a loaded word. I mean, and everybody means something different by it. So nobody really knows what they're talking about in a conversation. So what does it mean to you? I really kind of just use it or define it as the process with which we begin to question our assumed beliefs. So those beliefs that we were maybe taught at our earliest (laughs) Christian infancy that we kind of took for granted. Um, And then now maybe we're having doubts or questions about it. So it's, it's kind of questioning, yeah, like what is Christianity? What does that mean for me? Is this what I want? Is this what I actually believe? Mm -hmm. And have you seen, okay, so how long ago did you launch sort of put it, put yourself out there as someone that could help with that? Um, the beginning of this year. Okay. Yeah. And what was that process like? Did you have a lot of interest at first? Like what are some of the things you hear from people? Yeah, I did some, like, I forget what they're called. Like I did some interviews with people to say like, Hey, would, <laughs> would a service like this even be wanted? Needed? Oh, I- informational interviews. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> Um, and the overwhelming, what I was getting back is that, yes, I feel alone in this process. I don't really know what steps to take. I'm, this is happening to me. Um, but what do I do with it? Um, how do I have conversations if I'm having doubts and my spouse isn't, um, Mm -hmm. or my family is really worried about me or, so just this idea of like, what are the practical skills <laughs> of, of maybe deconstructing and reconstructing in a way that could potentially keep you within the Christian faith? Um, and like you said, like there's there's a, a wide spectrum of helpers out there right now in this field. And so I always give the caveat of I, I am for the people that are interested in staying within the Christian faith because that's where I was at during my deconstruction journey. So like, if that's not your goal, there are people out there that that can support yeah. you in that. But you might just—it's just like anything else. Like you can easily like identify your target audience, and you don't want to waste yeah. anyone's time. So, could you briefly go into what your deconstruction journey was? Yeah. Um, 
yeah, again, grew up um, in a Christian home. Um, My dad didn't have a problem with me asking questions. And oftentimes we'd get the Bible out and go through kind of what my specific church's doctrine was. Um, And I knew that there were different doctrines out there because I had friends that would go to different churches and I knew that there were some like discrepancies Um, and able to kind of hold that tension or not really think about it um, until around my mid twenties when I was thinking about doing some longer term mission work. And I had been at that mega church for two years and having a hard time getting connected. And so figured I would ask the church that I grew up in. Um, But the missions organization in the church that I grew up in had different doctrinal beliefs Um, And to my point, too, I was kind of in an unhealthy place where I'm like, well, I'm going to make everybody believe what they want to believe so I can orchestrate (laughs) what I want out of this situation. Um, But the church that I grew up in was like, there's too much of a discrepancy. We don't feel comfortable. Um, And it kind of brought all of those questions to the forefront of like, well, wait a minute, if these are both Christian organizations and they can't work together, then there's got to be one right way to believe. And I'm going to do that because my black and white thinking (laughs) really Mm -hmm. likes to be right. So that just sent me into this kind of doctrinal spiral of like, holy smokes, like there are three to four arguments on any given like doctrinal statement. Yeah. And so like, what is like, is this even true if there's this much discrepancy? Um, Yeah. You know, it's interesting because it's like, I think, starting to dig into apologetics and doctrine stuff is like, can be really good and strengthening for your faith as it has been for me. But at the same time you run it, you do run into more questions. Like for example, um, I didn't know like basically my whole life that the last few verses in the last chapter of Mark are like, yeah, they're not in every, they're not in every translation and they're sort of, and and they don't like give or take away anything from Mm -hmm. the gospel, but I'm just like, well, if there's so much question, why is it in my Bible? I don't understand. And so, I mean, that's a question I don't have an answer to, but you run into things like that where you're going, well, that doesn't make sense. And, you know, if it's, how can I trust the rest of the Bible? And you yeah. start coming up with questions. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. And so, so how did you sort of come back around? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it kind of just sent me into this depression spiral of like, well, my whole worldview, the whole way that I view everything is from this Christian lens. And what does this mean if I don't think this is true anymore? Um, and so got to the point where I'm like, well, I, that's, <laughs> that seems like too much work to rebuild everything. So I'm going to, I'm going to take what I still believe, which for me at that time was like, okay, I'm going to trust that God is faithful. So how do I build on that? Um, so I ended up actually starting counseling at that time and recognizing um, just some of the, like the thinking errors that most of us are prone to that keep us in, in distress. Um, got diagnosed with generalized anxiety, which again, those thinking styles tend to <laughs> increase our anxiety. Um, so learned different ways of holding that tension, being okay with the gray. Um, and then I ended up taking three systematic theology classes at a local seminary because I my, My brain's also really logical of like, okay, I want to know what all the arguments are. Mm -hmm. And then we had to do an exercise of writing down what we actually believed. And I was like, well, for better or worse, this is, this is actually what I believe, even if it doesn't match up fully with like this, uh, like Protestant thinking or reform thinking or what I'm like, okay, I'm going to get honest. And this is where I'm at. 
what are some of those process? Like, do you have an example of the some of the thought processes that you mentioned, like that get people stuck? Yeah. Yes. Um, so black and white thinking. Um, thinking like, okay, this is the one right way to believe versus like, oh, okay, people have been arguing these different ideas for hundreds of years. And so there's probably some truth in each of them um, or should statements. So during that deconstruction time, um, like I had been pretty faithful up until then of like having quiet time, reading my Bible pretty regularly. But at that point, just wasn't in a space where that was connecting. And so I would have these shoulds that would come up of like, you should be doing this, which would then feel really distressing. Mm -hmm. Um, So shoulds, um, generalizations, like all Christians think like this, um, or what's the other emotional reasoning. So just because we're feeling this way about something doesn't mean that's how we're going to feel about it forever and ever. It may just be Mm -hmm. that moment or that day. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of um, like, this is maybe I'm like kind of going out of left field here, but I'll just say it. Uh, so, and I, I'm writing a book or I'm publishing a book on women in the church. And anyway, one of the things that I talk about is church hurt. And I talked to a, a friend of mine and I'm sure you're very familiar with this concept, but I was not about the concept of schema um, and yeah. how, if something negative has happened to us in our past related to anything, even if that is not true anymore or not true of the current situation, our brains can like just revert back to assuming that it's true because they have filed it away. They're trying to protect us and all these things. And I've seen that in some of the stories I've heard of people that have had um, church hurt and things like that, where they're assuming that things are always going to be the same, like you were saying, or, um, every church is the same or every, all Christians are the same. And they're that because their brain has sort of mentally categorized it to make it easier for them, but really it's harmful for them. Yes. Schemas are the easiest thing for our brain to access, but they're not always accurate. None of, none of us get out of this world seeing it a hundred percent accurate. And we all have these unhelpful thinking styles or thinking traps that we can fall into, um, because it's an easy way to categorize information. Um, but yeah, it takes it takes work to kind of find that nuance or find that gray. So, so for me, and I, I'm just obviously one person. I have always sort of grown up in a non-denominational type of environment. I do go to Wesleyan Church now, but I, I don't know much about being Wesleyan. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's never been denominationally important to me. And, and I've always known that sort of different churches thought different things. But for me, I've always, you know, landed on the the you know, fundamental point of the gospel that Jesus, you know, saves us from our sins by, you know, his atonement on the cross. Like that's Mm -hmm. pretty much like it, like that's the thing. Um, But I, I think a lot of people like can't just accept that. Right. And so what are, I guess, some of the things that you hear about most often um, that people struggle with, with, in terms of doctrine or differing beliefs? Yeah, and I think I think some of those social issues, so some of this tumult that if you're in the US the last like five to six years where there I I a number of friends talking about the discrepancy between kind of what they were taught growing up in the church and then maybe how they saw some people within the church acting. Mm-hmm. Um I think some of some social issues um 
women's role in ministry, um, integration of LGBTQ Christians. Um, yeah. And then I think some of the doctrines, which I do less in my coaching around doctrines and more around like how to hold tension or those kind of skills and tools. But I think also those doctrines around, yeah, hell atonement. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the Bible? Um, yeah, those kinds of things. Do you find, and, and this is just, you know, something I've discovered in the past couple of years as I've kind of gotten into apologetics and, and reading more about like why I believe what I believe. Um, there's just so much I didn't know. Yes. <laughs> like there's, I mean, there's always so much you don't know, but like there are like, what I found is like, I have like, there are questions that actually have answers, but yeah. I've never been told the answers. And so I just thought there was no answer. Like for example, like to give like a very broad, like thing that people talk about, like the origins of creation. Like, so I've always been kind of like, um, yeah, I don't know. However it happened is fine with me. That's sort of how I have been. But a lot of people don't, can't, aren't so willy nilly about like, how creation. you know, people want to know, like, well, some people believe in young earth and some people believe in old earth. And then, so anyway, long story short, I, I kind of got into reading the various theories and I was like, you know what? There are respectable, um, good Christian people that have different, um, they come to different conclusions on, on the creation yeah. of the earth. They're like, several different theories that you can hold as a Christian, you know, Bible believing Christian and nobody can like say for certain, you know, and, and I don't know. Right. And I, I still don't know. I still yes. don't know where I land on that. Yeah. I hold um, those a little bit looser. Cause I'm like, what, like, what does that matter? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a really hard time believing in young earth. I'll be honest, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, it's a, just a great example of where, that's sort of one of those non-essential things where it's like, you don't like, you don't have to necessarily have the answer to that question. Um, and and to know that there are people that are, you know, strong Christians that have different responses on that. Um, I think that could really help someone because I've heard that and you probably hear that that question comes up a lot. Um, the scientific stuff as much in my circles, but I do know that, yeah, for some, it's like, well, if that's not true or what I believe about the creation story, like that's the first building block and everything. Yeah. Well, yeah. If there was no garden of Eden, then yeah. But, (laughs) but it's, it's interesting because, you know, reading about that and reading about, you know, like, you know, what, you know, was Jonah really swallowed by a whale? Like some people think yes. And some people think no, you know, um, and there are good reasons for what people believe, but you can't really know that unless you do a little digging. Um, and I think, do you find that people that are in this process of deconstruction just really feel alone? Yeah. Yeah. Or don't know where to start. Like, what do I do with this? Um, especially if, yeah, you've grown up in a church environment or family environment that has really discouraged questions as being a sign of weakness or like you can't have these questions. Um, So yeah, there can be, I think that comes from those shoulds or those shames, like a strong Christian should not doubt or have questions. But Mm -hmm. I feel like (laughs) every time my, my faith has been strengthened and it's a season in a season, it started with like an investigation of a question or a doubt. Yeah. And, and I think, um, there's just a, would you say there's like a lack of knowledge of the resources that are available? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes 
I don't, it's probably because I've been in the sphere for a couple months or years, but like sometimes people will come and find me and be like, oh, this is like, I didn't realize I'd never heard of that term before. I didn't realize this thing had this term. Oh. Um, and I was like, great. I'm glad that I can introduce that to you. But in the sometimes I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. So maybe this isn't, a, this is happening more, but people just don't have the language for it. Again, that kind yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. Here in our, you know, if, if you're me or you, and you're sort of in this Christian online space, you're definitely hearing deconstruction a lot. Um, but I mean, do you have an example of someone that you've worked with um, or a story of someone where you've seen them go through this process and, and also be able to reconstruct? Yeah. Um, I One is my sister. So <laughs> helping, helping her kind of navigate some of those unhelpful thinking styles and then how that impacts faith. Um, and kind of tearing that down. And she's kind of in this building up stage again, too. Um, yeah. And then some clients that I've just worked with as far as, yeah, what does that look like moving forward? What, what might new practices look like? Or, um, yeah, can we give our permit ourselves permission to lay down some of these shoulds for a season? Um, this episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. To like find wellness or, or get back to kind of that core of connecting with, yeah, with God. Yeah, I think, you know, that's that's another concept that I've like written about recently, which is giving ourselves the freedom um, mm-hmm. to not have answers <laughs> and to like, First of all, like my, so the book I'm writing is like, is about women and like going back to church. But I, I make a point there to say like, but like, don't, don't, you don't have to like, just go back like right away. Like it, it can be a moment in time where you're going, I'm just going to give myself the freedom to just kind of look around, explore a little bit, feel whatever I feel Mm-hmm. Be curious. I think curiosity is, yeah. is such a great concept for anything in life, but also when it comes to faith. Um, and, and I think especially if you're, like you said, you were still sort of hanging on your, the foundational belief that like God was faithful. All right. This is all I have. Yeah. Where do I go from here? Yeah. And, and, and then like asking God, like, let's pray about it, you know, just like, hello, like help me yeah. out here. Like whatever, you know, lead me wherever. Um, I think that freedom is exactly what we need. And and I use the example actually in the book about like how that, that like when I was like overcoming like an eating disorder, it's a whole other story, but anyway, long story short in this book that I read called overcoming overeating, like the whole first, like two weeks of the process, they're like, 
eat whatever you want, whenever you want. Yeah. And that was so like, that's part of like freeing yourself up from the rules and the things that have bound you, the Mm -hmm. shoulds. Um, And I was like, same concept here. Like you have to let everything be allowed so that you can move ahead, you know? Yes. Yep. There was a period of time where I had been like literally crying most days for a month or two. And I was like, I just can't be in this emotional space anymore. And so I'm going to trust that God is faithful, that he's going to keep me, even if I don't go to church in this season, read my Bible in this season. Um, I'm that's I'm going to trust in that so that I have the freedom to like let down some of this burden in this season. Um, and yeah, I think there is that, yeah, that freedom to be like, okay, what do I, if everything's on the table, what? what do I actually want to reconstruct? Yeah. Like yeah. What, is staying, what gets to stay? What gets added? So what are some of the, I guess, not that you need to like deliver your entire methodology, but <laughs> what are, I guess, some of the steps that you advise people to take in when they're in this position? Yeah. I did a, a post on Instagram a couple of weeks ago about faith movements. So like, what are those things in this season that feel like they're connecting you to God? So maybe that is, like going out for a walk and just noticing creation, or maybe it is like prayer where you're washing dishes or gratitude when you're playing with your children Um, or just that simple prayer of Lord, I believe help my unbelief. Um, So like, what are like, what's a small movement that, that, that aligns you with kind of what God is doing in your life in that moment, even if it's not something big, it can be something small. Um, Yeah. So faith movements. And then, yeah, I think kind of identifying maybe what are some of those unhelpful ways that we've been taught about God or the world or ourselves that may not be like, may not be gospel accurate. Um, And so how do we start recognizing and maybe challenging some of those things that get in the way of having the freedom in Christ? Yeah. And like actually maybe just writing them down. Cause a lot of times Mm -hmm. we just have things swirling around in our heads and like, if you write write them down and like, believe that, you know, if you believe, if you have that minuscule belief that God is faithful still, um, that he's going to help you figure out not the answer, but like maybe the answer that you need. Um, to, to move forward. Um, I was going to bring this up earlier, but I don't want to forget. So, um, I saw there's this big, I don't even remember what it's called, but there's a huge Instagram account or it's somewhat big and it's, it's like an exvangelical thing. Um, and they're definitely, I'm pretty sure they're not, they're definitely not Christians anymore. It's like Mm -hmm. a couple. And anyway, so they had this video out that was like kind of listing all these things about why they're ex-evangelicals. And I was like, I agree that all of those things are very bad, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> sexism and all these things. And then you had had a, a somewhat similar reel that was like, kind of like listing uh, like some of the exact same things. And I was kind of going, I think there's like a miscommunication going on here because all the things or many of the things that people say they've left the faith for or that they find disturbing or whatever about the Christian faith are not of God anyway. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like 
why are you letting those things define God? Um, because he's offended by those things. Yeah. And, and it's I like, if yeah, you've go grown ahead. up in a church environment where you haven't been told that or taught a version of God that is okay with some of these things, or you're in a church where, yeah, where maybe leadership isn't speaking out against some of these things or even condoning some of these things. That's been your only experience. Yeah. I could see why people would be like, I got to get out of, I got to get out of Christianity. But I, I think that there are probably more people that believe that those things aren't right. Than yeah. The that do. But well, the ones that like, do are just louder. They're <laughs> like louder. They're causing more harm. Yeah. And the stories obviously that come out and that have come out in the past five years or, yeah. or whatever recently, I mean, we keep seeing it. We keep yes. seeing it. Um, these big name people that are like just, uh, causing such devastation in, in terms of like, yeah. wow, they've led so many people. And like, I, I mean, it's hard to believe it's, I mean, with Ravi Zacharias, like I, I just still, I can't, I can't, I can't even comprehend the whole thing. Yeah. Um, right? It's just too much because he did so much good. And yet like, how could he do that? Like, who was he? Yeah. The both um, end of that situation of like, wow, he had a, a huge impact on people's spiritual lives. And had this really dark double life. life. Yeah, it, it's that just caused harm. I I just don't I can't comprehend it. I literally can't comprehend it. But the point is that I can fully understand how people can feel that harm, but I I just I'm so passionate about getting out there and saying like that's not everybody. That's not everything. Like there there are much there are many more good people out there trying to do the right thing than are the, you know, Bill Hebbles and people like that of the world that we're seeing sort of in their downfall. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it just makes me so sad when that happens because I hate for people to lose faith because of these human errors that are not representative of God. They're just representative of these individuals that made these choices. Yeah. Um, so what, in terms of what you do with people, um, like what, what is sort of your, I guess, business when it comes to being a coach and how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. My hope is that next year I can start doing some like individual. Um, but right now I, it's structured in a group program. So a six week program where we kind of go through like, where did your faith come from? Where is it going? And learning some of these skills of like how to hold nuance, how to have these hard conversations, um, how to maybe disrupt some of those shaming messages that might have come from Christian culture um, or things that we were taught about God that may not be accurate. <laughs> um, so yeah, kind of all those skills of like, how do I tolerate this deconstruction? And then how do I, yeah, make conscious value-based choices of what I want my faith to look like? Um, so that's one thing I offer. I also, yeah, um, do some free trainings every once in a while. And then I do have a free quiz on my website around those kind of thinking styles. So some questions and it'll give you kind of what thinking style you're most prone to, and then some tips on what to do with that. Um, yeah. As well. So what are your thoughts on sort of some of the other deconstruction coaches that are, are not aiming for a reconstruction? Like, do you think that they are harmful? I think... Not 
I don't, I think that's a really hard question. Yeah. Um, we certainly have different goals and we may not be aligned on our, our beliefs, but I do think if we're giving people the freedom to kind of explore everything, um, then I think sometimes those coaches allow for that. Um, and I think what sometimes what I wrestle with is this idea as I know I had this when I first, when I was considering doing this work of like, I don't want to lead anyone astray. I don't want to teach anyone bad doctrine. Um, And then I was like, well, okay, that's like the Holy Spirit's involved in that too. That's not just (laughs) me. Um, But this idea of, okay, what are the boundaries of, of Christianity? At some point, it becomes something Christian adjacent, something outside of what like Christianity is. Um, And sometimes I think that line feels blurry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've kind of decided that like, okay, the creeds, church history. um, Oh, I can't remember the other one, like these guardrails that I've put up of like, okay, this kind of is what keeps me in inside Mm -hmm. the the realm of Christianity. But Mm -hmm. I also think, yeah, that there's a little bit of fuzziness to like, okay, what, what is the edge (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's so great that you you're here doing what you're doing. Um, I was so, I guess I didn't know what I was looking for, but I definitely didn't realize there were people out there doing all like doing deconstruction and reconstruction. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw that, I just loved it because I just, it's just so, it's just such a thing right now, whatever people want it, want it to be, or want to call it. it. Um, so many people are going through it. I know a couple of people myself who are sort of in that place and I'm not really the right person for them to talk to because I'm pretty like solid in my faith. Um, Mm -hmm. and almost like, I don't know, like I, I, I'm like too close to, to them to be able to, for them to sort of take me seriously. (laughs) I I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you're really close to someone, it's hard to talk about these, these things. Uh, Whereas I think like a coach in your situation, someone that would be coming from the outside in, having your own past experience with this could be really helpful. So, right. um, I think there's also that fear. I mean, some of that is the fear that I just spoke about of like, I don't want to lead anybody astray or this idea of like, Oh, is that like, is that question really okay? And so sometimes that still comes up in me as I'm doing this work with other people. And I want people to hear like any question can be on the table. Right. right. Um, but I think, yeah, it brings up fear in, in family and friends of like, okay, what does it mean if someone's. Yeah. And then you, you also, I mean, I don't know if you get this, um, you're a therapist, so you are probably better at this. Um, but you know, <laughs> we'll you, you know, as a Christian that is telling people like, yeah, ask any question, like, let's talk. I, I often really doubt my own ability to answer questions and um, articulate, you know, what, what answers are. Um, So, you know, but that, but at that point, that's where I have to go. Well, that's why I'm sort of educating myself on apologetics and learning a lot more and, you know, reading the Bible um, and trusting that like, no, I'm not going to have all the answers, but you know, God is in this and God is in the questions. And I said um, one thing that I, I wrote about, uh, sorry, I keep bringing up my book. I just like turned it oh, up. No. It's like on, on the brain. About it. <laughs> yeah, no, I will definitely do that. Um, it's not till next summer, but, um, anyway, I wrote about, and now I can't remember the verse, but there's a verse 
that talks about, I mean, there's probably more than one verse that talks about this, but just the wonder of his ways. And, you know, we can't know, you know, all the depths of God. And long story short, the, uh, you know, conclusion I came to is that our curiosity and our questions actually glorify God, because that means that we are, we are seeking to know him better. Like we want to know more about him and we'll never know it all. But by asking that's building relationship and that is only going to lead you in a good direction. Um, and so I think that is an idea that maybe needs to sort of take on in a more, uh, like, I don't know, just get out there a little bit more that the questions are good and the questions are, he wants you to ask them. He really does. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, that there's faithfulness in asking these questions too, right? Like if you didn't care about your faith, you wouldn't be asking these questions. Right, exactly. It it shows how, it shows that you care. Like it yeah. shows that you're thoughtful. And like, I want more people like that inside mm-hmm. of Christianity. Like I want people that ask hard questions and like really ponder things because that only gives us like a better and a stronger understanding of who God is and mm-hmm. um so it's been really cool to to d- kind of dive into some of that myself. And I've, I've really got interested in it for my kids because, you know, growing up, I didn't have a lot of those, like the big questions and things. I was, you know, this is what we believe. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want my kids to know why we believe it. And I want them to be able to ask the questions and seek out the truth for themselves. And that's something that a lot of Christian kids were never taught. Yeah. Yeah. I follow a couple of accounts on Instagram that yeah, that they're geared toward parents with kids, but I'm like, oh man, I'm learning. I feel like I'm learning just as much. Oh my gosh. I know. I'm, I'm reading like, you know, how to talk to your kids about Jesus. Um, and I'm like, well, this is great information for me. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I didn't even know that. So, um, it's been really, really helpful for me to just like dive into some of that stuff. So do you have any, um, I didn't, I don't know that I prepared you for this. So if you don't have an answer, that's All fine. Right. Do you have any, um, favorite, um, like authors, speakers, leaders, or people that you look to as a, you know, in guidance for this kind of stuff? Yeah. I feel like I've just re- like, like you had said, I feel like the last year and a half has just been this journey of like church history books. Um, so really enjoyed like Jamar Tisby's The Color of Compromise just finished, um, Beth Allison Barr's The Making of Biblical Womanhood and kind of the history of how those ideas have kind of formed within the church. Um, Jesus and John Wayne yes. was really interesting. I read that one. That's very long. Yeah. <laughs> very, very well done though. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a post in a couple weeks about some, yeah, some books that have been helpful in deconstructing or again, just kind of giving us that background of like, oh, I wasn't even aware that these like cultural movements have influenced the lens with which we view our faith with in present day. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading a Tim Keller book right now called, it's like the meeting of God, you know, very like a skeptic it's for skeptics, which I'm not a skeptic, but (laughs) I just, it's still so interesting. Like, you know, just good information, like stuff, you know, just uh, like some of the more basic questions that people have, like, it's definitely for someone that maybe is deconstructing, like he's so good at just answering those questions and talking with people. And I I just love Tim Keller. I just think he does a great job with, you know, sort of meeting people in maybe harder spaces. Um, But, uh, but anyways, okay. So last question is, do you have any, well, you just listed books, but do you have any like podcasts, TV shows, recommendations for us um, that you enjoy? Well, I just, 
I've been listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, which is yes. super fascinating. Yes, and again, yes. that's kind of like American church history. Um, I've really been enjoying Kat Harris's uh, The Refined Collective. Okay. I think I know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. She wrote a book called Sexless in the City, where yeah. she kind of deconstructs her idea around, um, yeah, ideas around like why, why wait um, for marriage to have sex. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like we don't always agree on things, but it's really like, it's, it's the kind of disagreement where it's challenging. And then I'm like, Oh, I feel like I might be shifting a little bit. Like, Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and then, well, Oh, I'm, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a recommendation, but I'm rewatching like 30 rock right now. Which <laughs> Well, that, you, can't, you can't go wrong. I know. Yeah. Usually at night, I just am like, you know what? I can't handle drama. I need something funny. Yeah, I, just, I need to watch humor at night. Like I really do. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I totally get that. In this work, it's just like, I want something fun. And so I feel like I'm, fun is like when I read celebrity memoirs or I watch like sitcom TV. So totally, yeah. totally get that. Um, so if someone's interested in, in working with you, how, how should they reach out? Yeah, they can find me uh, at heyamandawaldron.com um, or on Instagram. I'm under heyamandawaldron as well. Okay, cool. Um, well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing what you do. I think it's really important in this cultural moment and mm -hmm. uh, um, just something that maybe a lot of people are looking for and don't even realize there is someone that can help them with it. So yeah. um, thank you. And um, it was great talking with you. And I'm sure that we will uh, stay in touch online. Awesome. Sounds good. This episode was brought to you in part by the Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.